Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I'm so excited to be with you on the show today as we continue unpacking American education and helping parents break free from the soulless, godless system of the public sector. We've got a great show for you today that will help equip and encourage you to be a light in your realm of influence. Today, we have the great privilege of having Rebecca Kosis, who's the general manager of Christian Home Educators Association of California. Rebecca, great to have you with us today. So excited. Oh, thank you for having me join you, um, Lisa. I'm excited to be here as well. Well, Rebecca, why don't we start off and tell our listeners a little bit about Chia, maybe even how you got involved, uh, the mission, what Chia does and offers, a little bit of history of the institution itself. Okay, I'm glad to share about that. So Chia uh, was established in 1982. So we've been helping families homeschool here in California for 40 years now. And our mission really is just to do that, help families homeschool. We provide resources, training, and support in various ways, as well as promoting private home education to the communities around us, to those that don't know about homeschooling, and then also protecting parents parents' rights to direct the education and upbringing of their children. So we kind of have a threefold mission. Um, I got involved with Chia in the 1980s when we started homeschooling, and they were there for me. Uh, answered my questions patiently, helped uh, steer me in the right path to get the uh, proper get on the proper path for our particular family. So um, here I am. My kids are grown, but I you know still here. I want to return the favor. I want to help families homeschool now in this next generation. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. I remember, and you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, the very first Chia conference I went to, and I think it was in Sacramento, we had a little branch up there of Chia, and Mm -hmm. I just was blown away because I felt like I was the only one. I was the only one who was educating my kids at home. I was the only one who had this level of parent-child connection and this focus on academia. And when I walked Mm. into the conference and I saw all of these other parents, I just felt so welcomed and normal and part of something much, much bigger than myself. And and really, the conference was such a phenomenal experience for me, not only um, personally, but it just was a great way to connect and network with other people. And I remember meeting mm-hmm. some phenomenal speakers. Heidi St. John was one of our great speakers. Denise Mira, we had uh, you know friendships that have formed out of those conferences. So I'd love to share right. a little bit about the conferences. And I know it's a, a little bit of a ways away May 19th, but uh, what are right. some of the most memorable conferences? you recall with Chia? You know, I, there are two at the foremost of my mind. Um, when we got started homeschooling, we did kind of get involved with Chia and start helping out from the get-go. So I really only attended a convention as a mom once or twice. And I remember going through uh, the convention hall, looking at the materials and going into the workshops with uh, my baby. Um, I went, I think the years I had babies was when I went and just um, absorbed. And I remember the... 
um, the exhaustion I felt at the end of the day, but it was so worth it to, you know, put the baby in the stroller, put her in the, in the, you know, backpack and go and get the information and encouragement that I needed. It was, it was worth it as a mama with little ones. I needed to go and hear that. Um, and then another year I went and we were serving, uh, but I really only had a few minutes to get into a couple of workshops. And so one workshop that I went and sat in on, and I think the speaker was uh, Zan Tyler out of uh, South Carolina. And I wasn't able to sit in on the entire session. I was sat in for maybe half an hour, but God met me there. It was what I needed. She said exactly what I needed to hear in order to carry me through and refocus my vision on homeschooling, refocus my vision on serving also um, as a Christian. And um, and I just thought, wow, God is not limited. You can go through the convention hall with a baby in tow and all of the distractions of breastfeeding and diaper changing um, or sitting in with very, you know, with time limitations. But God met me there. And you're right. The community is amazing. Just going and being with like-minded people. You're Nobody's going to look at you like you're from Mars when you're there. That's right. <laughs> Our family would come down from Sacramento before we lived in San Diego. We would drive down every year, um, especially uh, many of the times I remember being in um, Pasadena. And we would, and in Pasadena, you had that wonderful open space, so we would pull up and you'd just see hundreds and hundreds of homeschoolers and moms right. and dads and kids holding hands. And it was this idyllic picture. You know, Hollywood tries to portray this. It's 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 something that we can't capture in the outside world in this in in this way. It's so beautiful to walk up and see the authentic relationships, the attachments that are healthy. Um, you know, I, I, I shared um, shared with you, Rebecca, about how when I first met a mom who was a, the very first homeschooling mom that I met, the thing that drew me to her was that her kids were happy and healthy and they looked like they loved each other and they loved their parents. And when I talked to them, I realized they loved God and that they they looked me in the eye as they talked to me, which I had never seen before right. in the younger generation. And so the fruit that's, that's that comes out of the longer the time that parents are spending investing to their children, the fruit that comes out of that. And it's not just that. It, the amount of time is very important. We talk a lot about that on the show, but it's also what's happening in the time, that there's an investment, that there's a transference of uh, the modalities of discipleship that we're, we're really raising up and training up. So tell us a little bit about what got you, because you had a unique story like mine, where we didn't start off knowing anything about it, and then we were kind of thrust into this and went, whoa, this whole new world. Tell us about how you got started as a homeschooler. Well, I was not raised in a Christian family. Um, neither was my husband. And we were married and had three children before we came to the Lord. So learning about homeschooling was an extension of our own discipleship journey. Uh, we were learning as young parents what the Bible said about life, everything about life, about marriage and family and parenting. And so homeschooling was the natural progression of that when the Bible says that, you know, children are, are, are a heritage from the Lord and a gift from Him, and that parents are responsible for raising them and training them. Um, it was the next logical step. I'll tell you, though, Lisa, it was revolutionary uh, for us. It's just like it is for so many other families, because I thought you know, public school for me was the American way. I was raised in public school and I felt like to be a good Christian mom, 
Um, my job was to make sure that my kids got to bed early, got up and had a good breakfast, had matching socks and shoes so they got to school on time. Um, and I felt very confident that I was doing the right thing. And then God showed me, no, there's another way. Uh, I was putting my children in a godless institution that was undermining what we were becoming all about, and we couldn't do it any longer. So that was what got us um, got us started. There were so many good reasons to homeschool then that I could tick off on the, you know the fingers of my hand, of each hand, um, but the primary reason was for. Um, us to be able to disciple our children without the contrary voices from um, the school system. And at that time, in the early 1980s, you know, God, Christianity had been completely expelled. Between 1960 and 1980, every last vestige of Christianity had been scrubbed from the public school arena. So there was this huge vacuum. And I was more concerned at that time about what was not being taught there, that they, that, that they weren't being told about scripture. They weren't being taught about God, about the Ten Commandments, and about prayer. They were told that um, their life was meaningless, that they had create, had been evolved from a bump on a log or a freckle on a frog, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, and that just wasn't the truth. I wanted them to learn about the wonderful God that who created them and placed us in this world to serve Him for His glory. So that was undermining our purposes for our our family and that was that was the ultimate you know breaking away for us at that time values clarification behavior modification situational ethics they were becoming the the buzzwords of the day uh, this vacuum that was created between 1960 and 1980 has been completely filled right now by secular humanism Religion is being taught in the public school, as you well know. It's just not Christianity. Um, and they're doing their best, uh, the powers that be, to undermine the American family and separate the children from the parents and to even teach children to hate the country that they live in. Right. But, um, but, but, but even just as important is the, is the wicked, vile, um, you know, comprehensive sex education that's being taught and the um, sexual orientation and gender identity, critical race theory, all of these things are um, straight from the pit of hell, right. if you ask right. me. Right. And uh, so the vacuum has been filled with those religions. That is absolutely a relig uh, form of religion. So... Um, I'm even more concerned now about young families and about young children in the public school system. I think I went way beyond what you asked me. <laughs> that's so good. And that's really what we've been unpacking. We're looking at the 10 toxic traits of the public school system. Mm. These are now bearing fruit, you know, things that were planted in 1964, values clarification movement, the removal of the Bible from the public sector. These are mm -hmm. now, we're reaping the fruit of a godless education system. Rebecca, you and I have talked about the changing definition of homeschool. And of course, both of us us, you and I are both very thankful that God opened up the doors, pulled back the veneer, let parents see the things that we were just talking about in the first half of the show, what's really happening in the public school classroom, because a lot of families just thought they could trust their neighborhood public school and that the people who were pouring into their, their children's lives had their best intentions at heart. Now, of course, we're talking about a bigger systemic issue, um, but when we look at the fruit, the most anxious, depressed, 
atheistic generation in the history of our nation, we can easily trace those fruits back, that harvest back, to what's being taught, and as you said, not taught in the public school system. So what are some of the changes that you've seen? You have the vantage point of looking at the state level, which I wanted to remind our readers, because our listeners, because we do have listeners across the country, of course, and every state has a homeschool association, right? Rebecca, tell me about that history. Mm-hmm. Most of them do, yes. Just like um, Chia is a state association for California, um, we are a part of a nationwide association of uh, national Christian homeschool associations. We call it the Alliance, and you can find out more about it at homeschoolfreedom.com. Um, not every state has a Christian um, association, but many of them do, and so it's a and that as well as a tight knit community, Dr. Lisa, um, because there are only fifty states, and we have a, a couple of associations um, from um, our our neighboring countries, which is wonderful. But that does it does give us that perspective to see what's happening across the country, you know. And one of the things I've seen change over the past few years is um, home education used to be very centralized in the home. It was parent led, parent you know parent directed. Parents purchased the material and parents did the teaching, and in so doing, they were pouring into their children. I mean, nobody loves their the, these kids more than mom and dad. Nobody has their best interest at heart more than mom and dad. And, um, and, and so they're invested to make sure these children have not only an academic success, but they also um, are raised up to be wonderful people um, and discipling them. What I've seen over the past um, maybe 20 years or so, maybe, maybe not quite so long, is the um, outsourcing is that home education has become a term for any type of education that takes place outside of a traditional classroom setting. So um, my what I've observed is that many parents are looking at p- placing their children in Uh, classroom settings, but in different places throughout the week. For instance, rather than teaching every subject on their own, they're placing them in a co-op class here on Monday, another class there on Tuesday, maybe two or three classes somewhere else on Thursday. And so my, my thought on that is it's, it's not the traditional method or a definition of homeschooling. I I look at that more as the uh, managed education of children. And I'm, and I'm not going to knock it. I know that it works for, you know, that works for many families. My, my cautionary tale though, is that ultimately your children are being socialized and trained by other people again. So perhaps you're just switching out one environment for another. I encourage parents to take advantage of uh, the time that they have, the very limited time that they have to pour into their children, it is over before you know it. I remember my mom telling me, these are going to be the best years of your life. And, you know, honestly, when you're in the midst of it, I know you're tired and you think it's never going to end. But this is raising these children, discipling your children, pouring into them is going to be your life's greatest work. You're never going to have an opportunity to have someone live in your house for 18 to 25 years and 
and and train them up in the ways of the Lord. It doesn't happen. God's given you an amazing gift in these children, and you have a wonderful opportunity. I just hate to be at squ- be seeing it squandered in busyness, and um, and also, oh gosh, I think you know parents question themselves so much. A lot of it is I wasn't right now. We see parents coming into the community saying, I never planned on doing this. I don't know how to do it. I've got to outsource it all. Um, But you know, maybe that seems to make sense initially, but I would say dial it back as you grow in your relationship with your children and you invest in them, you know, take back some of those hours each of those days so that you can you can invest in your kids because you can do this yeah you, absolutely parents can do this and and the whole expert culture has made parents a fearful so fearful mm-hmm. about raising their own kids now uh, we use the word outsource which is the name of my next book outsource why america's kids need a, an education revolution which you know that um, mm-hmm. but what we've seen is parents have never had the freedom they've never known that they had the freedom to um, choose their own their child's own books to assign assign work to drive the methodology to drive the content this is all new freedom for most right. of our parents in our system 93 parents 93 percent of our parents are straight out of public schools and so they've never had this freedom and at first the freedom is a little frightening they feel a little overwhelmed by the freedom and so having and that's another thing we know about the millennial demographic is they were raised in group think environments mommy and me things where they didn't have a lot of creative control over their own lives and and so we have to really walk them through what does it look like to disciple your children? What does, I mean, Barna studies, Barna's been preaching this for 20 years, that that parents weren't discipling their children at home. They're not reading the Bible. And that's really what we're seeing coming out, the parents coming out of the system. And now they're, they're beginning to embrace this idea that they have agency in their child's life that they can actually speak into and truly disciple their children. When we look at Barna's stats, you know, saying that, 10% of Christian families read the Bible together at home. Obviously, we're not training up children if we're not we're not diving into the instruction manual together. And so um, so now we're seeing that shift, Rebecca, which is so exciting to see yes. families talking. On the show, we've interviewed Dr. Brian Ray, and he talked about you know a lot of the things he was seeing in the environment. And I love hearing the vantage point that you have and that he has because we can see at a state or a national perspective that a lot of the challenges we're facing are coming out of that system directly, uh, you know, directly impacted by that system. And so, um, but what we found is that having that, you know, human development, we need times of reflection and connection. So we need time alone and we need time in community. And when the balance of community is off, what happens is children become peer oriented. It's parent oriented. I know you've read, um, uh, hold on to your kids, why parents need to matter more than peers. Phenomenal book I've pitched before on the show, but that orientation balance is off. And so today we have kids who are more peer oriented, they're not attached to their parents, but we're beginning to see those attachments heal as they spend time together. And so what we recommend to parents is that they balance out. I know parents, millennial parents need community. It's different from Gen Xers. It's different from boomers. It's their different demographic. And so to give them a level of community and support, and then to also have these 
exciting options where they can choose the kind of community that their children are going to grow up in. You know, most of the kids in the public school, the, the, the public school is teaching against the grain, against, uh, it's undermining what we're teaching in the home. But we're, we're an amen chamber. You know, we're, we're saying, yes, that's what your parents said. We're telling you the same thing. And we're, we're echoing one another. We're supporting one another. So it's this, it's this beautiful uh, connection because we're sharing the load together. So that's, I think, right. the piece that's really a, an important distinctive is when parents are, uh, you know, and parents come in, honestly, they come in, take my kid, take my kid. And, you know, we have to walk parents through the model of we're partnering with you. This is a process. A teacher in the traditional sector, whether that's private or public, and we've talked a lot on the show about the damages of that private education has done as well. Um, but a teacher only has a year with a kid. A parent has a whole life. And the most impacting relationships that we see across the board in social science research is the parent-child relationship affects every aspect of our life throughout the remainder of our life. So we've got to get that right. So mm-hmm. I want to give you a minute to talk about any other, you gave already gave some great advice to brand new homeschooling parents. And I know you're seeing a lot of the same data I am, uh, but I'd love to hear from you just from your vantage point. What are maybe some of the most important things that you tell new homeschooling families to do? What's your, what's your tip for success for them? So I tell them, do it scared. You talked about the fear. I experienced the fear when we got started, worried my kids were going to be illiterate and we'd all be ashamed. But, you know, I did it scared and saw the fruit of the effort. So I encourage them to just jump in. Keep it simple. We tend, as human beings uh, in a complicated society, to try to overcomplicate things, keep it simple, um, and then you can add from it there. Do not try to duplicate classroom at home. Um, You want to create your family's culture. Uh, Grow your homeschool around your family's interests, your children's gifts, and go from there. And, And the more time you have with your kids, the better. Once they become teens and they're involved in a lot of things outside of the home by virtue of becoming young adults, um, you're you're going to lose... The time you have to invest in them is going to diminish. And so capitalize on it when they're young. Honestly, it's, it's so important. And the most important thing, you talked about time, investing in that relationship. Um, I, I think the most important thing we talked about uh, in our family was their relationship with the Lord. Our, our you know, God was gracious. We homeschooled out of obedience uh, to him, and he's the one who was faithful. Each of my children have a relationship with the Lord, uh, unique and independent from our family. They're all, all our kids are grown. We have, you know, multiple grandchildren. So um, God was gracious. He's the one who was faithful. So uh, dedicate your homeschool to him, and he's going to uh, make something beautiful and unique out of your own family's homeschool. Phenomenal, phenomenal. That relational reset is our key element of focus. Rebecca, thank mm-hmm. you for being with us today. We're so grateful for you and Chia and all you do for private homeschoolers. Friends, it is up to us. We're the church, the hope of the world. Jesus gave us a mission of discipleship and it begins first in our own homes. Once you join us on the res- rescue mission, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn and thanks again for being here with us on the show today. Keep up the great work, parents, and I'll see you right here next week. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. 
If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.